Hey guys, welcome back to Fiction Fixation. We're your hosts. I'm Courtney. And I'm Rose. And this week we're going to be recapping the 2013 horror romance movie Warm Bodies starring Nicholas Holt and Teresa Palmer. It's classified as a horror? Romance horror, yeah. That's such a bizarre classification. I think so too. I also wouldn't call it a horror. It's not really scary. Yeah, the whole movie, it's very dark humor. I have this weird connection to this story because I'm probably exaggerating, but I feel like it was 20 years ago. I was like in a Barnes and Nobles and I randomly opened up a book and it was this story. Oh, this was a book? Yeah, this was a book. Nice. I don't remember who wrote it or anything like that. Google is a thing, but we refuse to use it for actual important details. <laughs> we only use it to like find out how much a human skeleton is. You know what, though? It is really annoying when you're having an argument with someone and then they just whip out Google. Just let the uncertainty, like, let's just sit in the uncertainty. Listen, if being right was a priority for us, this podcast wouldn't be a thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This isn't about being right. It's about having a good time. It's about having a good time. So the movie begins with R and he is our main character here. R is a zombie, but he's not like a regular zombie. He's a cool zombie. He's just full of all these like existential thoughts that I didn't realize zombies had. See, zombies don't have them. That's what makes them different. Oh, so no, I mean, we don't know that because we're only inside his head. So what if the Ooh, other zombies yeah. are having these thoughts? You know what? That's fair. They may be having those thoughts. So essentially, R lives in an airport with a bunch of other zombies. And it almost seems like some sort of plague hit humanity so suddenly that everyone that was at this airport turned into zombies. And now they're all just mindlessly wandering around. Looking for people to eat, people to nom on. Right. They want a little snacky snack, as we all do when we're at the airport. The problem is, is that there are no more snacks at the airport yes. so now they have to travel outside of the airport into the city to find people to eat quick note on R. he's i don't want to say cute because he is kind of horrendous looking you know as you would expect but he's kind of cute for a zombie but for a zombie he's kind of cute um listen it's the apocalypse the bar is on the floor do you know what i mean yeah there's the not bar is six feet under <laughs> with our morals and hopes and dreams right so Luckily, he's not the type of zombie because, you know, I feel like we need to specify what kind of zombies these are, right? Because there's so many different kind of zombies. So these zombies are just washed out. They look gray. They seem to have random scars where they probably got into fights. But like their skin is not like falling apart or anything like that. These zombies remind me of a specific group of people. And it's the tired they look like a new mom who hasn't slept in three days yes. or changed her clothes or showered or eaten. Yeah. Like just kind of gray on autopilot. Yeah. There's no light in her eyes. Yeah. Or a college student who is studying for finals. Right. And has just been awake for, you know, 36 straight hours. Right. Yeah. You know, the group of people who are in desperate need of caffeine. The other weird thing about these zombies is that they seem to have pretty decent hand-eye coordination. They do. They're like opening doors and our, he lives on an airplane. Like he made an airplane his house, uh -huh. which seems weird. Like no one else seems to care about having a house, but he does. He has a whole plane to himself. And he even has a record player. 
yeah, he collects things. He'll like go out to find humans to eat and then he'll be like, oh, neat. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take this home with me. Listen, he's doing what we're all doing, just trying to find dopamine by buying things, but he's not. he doesn't have to buy them because it's the apocalypse. Wait a minute. Is this what happens when we don't take our Lexapro? <laughs> but that that's actually the next thing I was going to say, because the existence of a zombie is pretty bleak. And that's kind of the message that R is trying to get through to us. It's like, listen, we just wander around. We're really slow. There's nothing to do. Our days are the same. This is kind of a metaphor for depression. Yeah. And these zombies also can talk a little. Like they can muster up a word every now and then. Well, it seems like they're not supposed to talk, but over the course of time, they've been able to muster up words like hungry and city. Yeah. So he has a best friend who's like a middle-aged man. R says that sometimes they grunt at each other. Yeah. So that's... That is friendship. They grunt at each other. So while there's this settlement of zombies at the airport, yes. there's also a settlement of humans in the city. It is essentially a fortress. I don't know if it's ran by the military or if it was a militia or something like that. I don't know. But they have guns and uniforms. And a wall. And a wall. And a group of teenagers, essentially, are getting ready to go out. Right. They have to go scavenging for meds. Why are they sending kids? They run faster. <laughs> well, they're not children. They're like late teens. Yeah, these are teenagers. So the group of humans ends up in kind of this lab kind of situation, and they're looking yeah. around for specific meds. Why they haven't emptied this entire factory of, of uh, meds, I don't know. Maybe they didn't know that this specific thing was there at first. It's not like a Walgreens, you know? Yeah, it's like a college lab or something, college medical center. Maybe they didn't know that it was there. Okay, so there is an altercation that happens. An altercation is, is a very light word to describe what happens but we need to talk about our heroine because she is with the group of humans yeah so her name's julie and she's kind of a badass mm -hmm. um did you see her just like pistol whipping zombies yeah so julie is the daughter of the leader of the humans she's one of the ones that kind of sense that something is wrong she hears a noise and she's asking her boyfriend like we need to get out of here but he refuses and so of course the men are not listening to the women and they get eaten because of it. Yeah. Coincidentally, R is the one who eats Julie's boyfriend. And then R is like, listen, like, I don't want to eat humans, but I have to. Like, he's very conflicted about the fact that he has to eat right. humans. And the thing, too, is that R also explains that if he doesn't eat the brains, then the human will turn into a zombie. But R says it's hard because the brains are the best part. And they're the best part, not because they taste the best, but because when you eat the brain, you can feel what that person felt and you get their memories. This is terrible, right? But he eats this guy's brains and he seems to save some for later <laughs> because he, he puts them in his pocket. <laughs> he, some, he seems to put some brains in his pocket because he continues munching on it throughout the movie. But as he eats Julie's boyfriend's brain, R starts getting memories of kind of the moments that Julie shared with her boyfriend. And so naturally, R immediately falls in love. <laughs> Yeah, and then R's like, oh, wait, I can't let my zombie friends eat Julie. So he gets really creepy, and he, like, goes over to her, and then he runs his hand down the side of her face and just wipes, like, zombie goo 
down her face. Yeah, he signals to her that she's safe. She is not buying it, obviously, but she is terrified, like she's frozen with fear. And he essentially kidnaps her. He takes her. He does. He does. To back to his airport thing. And I don't understand how the other zombies don't see that she's alive. I think that the scent of zombie goo is enough to completely overpower the human scent. I guess so. But in any case, he kidnaps her. And I feel like this is very reminiscent of Beauty and the Beast. Okay. Except that R doesn't live in a castle. He doesn't have a library. He doesn't have a library. He does have cool shit, though. Yeah, he has a lot of cool shit. Um, But he takes her back to his plane and she is terrified, obviously. And we can hear R's train of thought. And he's like, don't be fucking weird. And then he continues to be fucking weird. Yeah. So R obviously likes Julie and he can see that she's freaked out by him. And he's trying so hard not to be creepy, but he's a zombie. So he's just naturally creepy. And I don't know, but isn't this a metaphor for just the average guy? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? It's like the movements of a zombie aren't as fluid as the movements of a human. Right. He can't just sit down. He has to like, it's like a transformer. (laughs) Yes. You know? Yeah. And she's like, I need to go home. And he's like, Julie, safe. (laughs) Like... It's kind of like a caveman. Yeah, you're right. He does kind of grunt and talk like a caveman, but it almost seems like the longer he's around her, the more words he can muster up. Yeah. And see, here's the thing. Do you think if he wouldn't have eaten boyfriend's brain, do you think he still would have saved Julie? I don't I don't think so. Okay, so like, is this a cute movie or a creepy movie? Because it's almost (laughs) like he's assuming boyfriend's identity. Yes. It's like he accidentally got Stockholm Syndrome from the boyfriend. Right. With Julie as the captor. Kind of, yeah. In like a psychological way, but in a real physical way, he's the one that kidnapped her, so... Okay, well, which is worse, psychological kidnapping or physical kidnapping? (laughs) Oh, my God. We're really getting into it today, huh? (laughs) Listen, I I have a problem with his character because, like, these feelings are fake. They're not yours. Right. But, like, that sweet dopamine hit. And, like, listen, I get it. Chasing that dopamine, it's... We all do it, okay? I normally choose to do it with cookie dough. He did it with brains. (laughs) Yes, because the thing is that R is, like continually secretly he doesn't let her see because by the way she is like kind of in fetal position in a corner just terrified and confused about why this zombie is listening to music and not just eating her and yeah um, he is kind of taking breaks he's giving her space and he's taking time to eat more of the boyfriend's brain so he can get more I guess, dopamine hit, but more memories and kind of ideas Uh of what to talk to her about. Yeah, which is weird. It's like reading her diary. Yeah, it is, because he's getting a lot of personal information and she has no idea. She is so confused. Until the end of the movie, she still has no idea. Yeah, she can tell that he doesn't want to hurt her and she can tell that for some reason he's not going to eat her. And she asks him to let her go. He doesn't want to. He wants to keep her there. And so he makes up an excuse. 
R is like, hey, you have to wait. They'll notice, Mm -hmm. which I think he just made up. Yes. And we know this because we can hear his thoughts. He's narrating the movie and he's basically telling us like, she can't go yet. She just got here. (laughs) (laughs) And so he tells her a few days and she's like, "Okay, well, I am starving. So he goes to like look for food for her and she tries to run. Right, because she's smart. That was just an excuse. Yeah, She tries to run, but obviously it's not a good idea because the plane that R calls home is surrounded by zombies. And so when she tries to get out, she almost gets caught and he has to guide her back up. And he tells her, you need to stay for a couple of days. And at this point, she believes him like, okay, I guess something's happening in a few days. (laughs) Yeah, but he finds her a beer and a can of fruit cocktail. Yeah, I wonder if he got that from the plane stuff. Uh, I don't know. It probably is in the plane stuff, right? Because planes are stocked. And then if the airport got taken over by zombies, people weren't going there to find supplies. You know, that's fair. I think planes is something that wasn't previously considered for when a zombie apocalypse happens. And I think people should put that on their list. We need to put that on our list. It's actually, I would say a plane is a really great place to kind of escape. Well, also you can pull up the stairs Yeah. And like they would have to climb the plane itself to get to you. Right. And I don't think a zombie has the power to punch through a plane. No. From what we know about zombies, I feel like they usually can't even open doors. You know what? Put it on your list. You need to go commandeer a plane in case of an apocalypse. So Julie kind of resigns to the fact that she's going to have to spend a few days on this plane with the zombie, but she's not scared of him anymore. And pretty quickly, they seem to start bonding. Like he's playing music for her. Mm -hmm. He takes her to this parking lot and they steal a convertible and they just like race it down the flight line. So it's almost like they're hanging out. They are hanging out. They're listening to music She's talking and he's, you know, saying a few words here and there. And he's having the time of his life. It's really weird to me how comfortable she seems that quickly. Like she is so sure that he's not going to eat her. Listen, you know what? Trauma. So this this movie happened in 2013, which was 10 years ago, which would put me at 23, Mm-hmm. which is not too much older than she is here. She's like 18 here. Yeah. You know what? If you've been through all this widespread trauma by the time you're 18, she's probably like, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> that's no, that's a good point because she actually does mention that. She says, you know what? I'm so used to people dying. It's not that I'm not sad that my boyfriend died. I am sad, but I'm also like, you know, it happens. <laughs> like if boyfriends get eaten by zombies, you just get a new one. <laughs> well, listen, to be fair, boyfriends seem like a little bitch. I thought he was really cute. He was really cute, but also like she went to go hold his hand before they left and he like shook her off of him. Mm-hmm. And then she tried to tell him like, we need to go. And he's like, we need to get supplies. Yeah. He's not gathering supplies or watching the door. Right. Okay. True. Useless. True, 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 true. Yeah, and obviously she still doesn't know that R is the one that killed her boyfriend and R is sneaking away to take more bites out of the chunks of brains that he stowed away. At one point, R sees the moment, like he sees the memory of the moment he killed the boyfriend and he looks disgusted. Yeah, because he's seeing it from boyfriend's point of view. Right, he's seeing himself as a monster. I think this was really a turning point for R. 
Girl, can you imagine if we saw ourselves from like the perspective of like a chicken? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Guinea pigs? No, stop. Leave my guinea pigs out of this. Do you know people (laughs) eat chickens out of this? No, but like guinea pigs are not normal food in this country. They are in other countries, but yeah, they in Peru, they eat guinea pigs in Peru. I just don't, I don't get it. But then also, I guess they might look at us and be like, you guys eat chickens and goats. Yeah. But no, I get it. Like from a chicken's point of view, we're probably terrifying monsters. Right. Julie got out of the plane because she's just like, you know what? He's stalling. He doesn't want to let me go. So she tries to sneak out again. And once again, Mm -hmm. she gets surrounded by zombies. This time, one of the zombies that's surrounding her is ours best friend, M. Right. M's kind of like trying to explain to R. He's like a fatherly figure. He's like, food (laughs) eat yeah he's like dude you're supposed to eat the humans ours like no i can't she's pretty and i love her she's pretty i love her i just want to snuggle her i don't want to eat her i might nibble a little bit yeah and then other zombies are kind of like all gathering obviously julie's terrified and she goes up and she like grabs ours hand and they're holding hands yeah There's something about that gesture that just has an impact on the zombies that are looking because connection is such a foreign concept to zombies. And so for them to witness two people have a connection, it just kind of stuns them and they move to the side and let R and Julie pass them. Yeah, but... As R and Julie are leaving, the other zombies, they, they're called bonies, and it's essentially like an evolution of the type of zombie that R is. R once described the bonies as zombies that just sort of gave up and consumed themselves. Oh my gosh, that's, oh God, that's creepy. Okay, uh, yeah, so it's essentially the zombies just start ripping their own flesh off and they just become uh-huh. skeletons. And R says that they are worse than zombies because they have no conflict about what they're doing. Whereas zombies are yeah. like, oh, I'm so sorry, but you know, I have to eat. You know what? One of the most terrifying things that I saw during the whole movie was that mm-hmm. was actually pretty disturbing was the two little children zombies. Yeah. One of them has like a fucking Capri Sun. <laughs> like it's they're literally like nine-year-olds yeah and yeah. i'm just like oh my god honestly if a nine-year-old zombie came up and tried to eat you like i would kick a child yeah for sure 100 percent. but also it's like oh my god i'm sorry baby <laughs> i have to kill you i'm so sorry yeah and this is what the humans are trained to do i mean they're trained that like zombies might look human ish, but they're not. They have no feelings. They have no thoughts. And you're supposed to kill them on sight. And so this is why this is so conflicting for Julie, because she's seeing them interact and she's seeing the way that R is like connecting with her or trying to connect with her. Yeah. And she sees the way R's friend and the other zombies kind of understand mm-hmm. you know so like they're not brainless they're not mindless yeah you know there's still something human left in them right but um it's time like julie wants to go home so they get in that car that they stole and they basically drive out of the airport it starts pouring rain and they are in a convertible yeah <laughs> 
So they end up stopping in like a suburb area and break into a house. Are there no laws in the apocalypse? Like when do the no laws things start? You know, I've had this question many times. Right. When there's an apocalypse, when do we know it's okay to stop paying our bills? Right. (laughs) When do we know it's okay to stop going to work? It always has to be, there has to be a leader. There has to be that brave soul that's the first one to be like, listen, there are zombies out there. I'm not doing my shift at Dairy Queen. Like, I'm sorry. (laughs) It would have to be a pretty blue collar job too. Yeah. Like, you know, when the bankers stop going to work, we probably shouldn't worry. (laughs) Um, When Waffle House stops opening, that's when we should worry. Yeah, that's when it's bad. Yeah, that's when it's bad. Yeah, so Julie and R break into this house in an abandoned suburb. At this point, again, she's pretty comfortable with him. And it's, dude, there's this crazy part where she looks out the window and she sees patrol cars, like human patrol cars headed by her dad, who's the general. They're obviously looking for her. And instead of banging on the window, being like, I'm here, I'm here. She pulls away from the window. Yeah. And she's like, are she's like, if they see you, they're going to kill you. You have to hide. And so she had an opportunity to leave pretty fucking quick. She could have told R, stay in the house. I'm going to go with them. Yeah. I, I feel like her instinct in that moment was to protect R because she feels like she owes him her life, which she kind of does. But it's also such a complicated thing. Like uh-huh. if someone is the reason you were in danger and they saved you from that danger, did they really save you? Do you know what I mean? It's like that battered syndrome. Uh-huh. He's the abuser. He's the zombie that eats people. But he also yeah. kept her safe. I don't know. This is too many like moral compass questions. It would be easier if he was like a little cuter and not so pale. Yeah, I think he's kind of cute. I don't know. Maybe I really like. <laughs> Listen, you know what I see when I see R? I see a dark haired, blue eyed dude with mm-hmm. trauma. And I'm like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> I can save him. <laughs> You're like, I will fix you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's so funny, though. This is like that tired trope of like the woman trying to save the man. Like, I can fix him. I know he's a zombie and he eats brains, but deep down inside, he's a good guy. Yeah, no, you know what? But deep down inside, he is kind of a good guy. Yeah. I mean, she even tells him that. She tells him that she could see him trying. She's like, I see you trying to be a better person and you you try harder than any human I know. I thought that was really sweet. It is really sweet. But he he's struggling with some guilt right now, R is. And he tells her, he goes, it was me. And she's like, what? And he goes, it was me. I killed him. And then he hands boyfriend's watch Mm -hmm. to Julie. And she's like, I think I kind of knew. You know, R as a zombie, obviously he's not supposed to sleep or have dreams. But that night he falls asleep and he ends up having a dream and something weird is happening with the zombies because like their communication is getting better and Uh back at the compound R's friend stares at this poster of like a man and woman holding hands and they're starting to feel things it's like that scene from the Grinch at the end where his heart grew two sizes right yeah the zombies hearts are starting to kind of fire again and it's yeah. and it's almost like a reverse contagion because them feeling something is causing other people to feel things too it's like this contagious thing 
Listen, is this like a Harry Potter trope to where like the answer to evil is love? It's such a cheapened explanation for all the complexity that Harry Potter is. But Uh ultimately, that really is what it boiled down to that like love is the answer. I think that here, like the cheapened answer is that love is the answer. But I think that also it's human connection is the answer. Like it's not just love, it's human connection. Like I think you would kind of get the same feeling if you like, if two zombies hugged, you know? If they would just only hug. No, but that's exactly what it is. It's the connection. There is a metaphor to be found in here of the lack of connection and how it leads to depression and how it leads to people losing themselves and how all you need to come back is connection. But no one wants to connect with you when you're like that. It's like now you're a zombie. No one wants to connect with you. And the only way for you to come back is through connection. Is this movie just a whole metaphor for depression? Because that's what it seems like. I know. It Listen, does. I thought it was going to be fun. But instead, it's just kind of bubbing me out now. Because you had to bring your fucking logic into it. I either Listen, have to bring depression or murder into every conversation. Rose's psychology degree is paying off right now. My psychology degree is psyching right now. <laughs> it is. You know what? I wonder, is it worse being depressed when you understand depression? Or is it worse being depressed when you don't understand it at all. I think it's probably worse not understanding it. I think it's so important if you have struggles with mental health to read up on Uh it as much as possible because then you don't feel as alone. You understand that this is part of the process. This is part of the journey and you don't feel so out of control because you're like, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to feel like and this is what I can do. He wakes up from his first dream and uh, however long the apocalypse has been happening, however long he's been a zombie, years. Mm -hmm. He wakes up from his first dream and Julie's gone. Julie dips sometime in the night or the early morning. Yeah, she did the first smart thing that she's done and she took the car and she ran like a Taylor Swift song. She took that getaway car, girl. Because she knew he was trouble when he walked in. (laughs) Yes. Julie makes it back to the human compound that her dad runs Mm -hmm. and she's trying to walk in and they're like, Julie, don't move. These security guards are not taking any chances. You know what? They might have to, they might have to put a bullet in their leader's daughter's head. Yeah. And so they have like this scanning technology. They scan her eye and they see that she's clear. And so now Julie's back home and I think she's like relieved and obviously safe. She's behind the wall. But we see R and he's walking home and he's sad. He's walking home in the rain. I know. And he's sad and he's feeling cold, which zombies are not supposed to feel anything. And he's starting to feel cold. Uh Uh-huh. And I don't know if you noticed this, but he's starting to get more color in his skin. You know, he's not so gray anymore. Yes, he's not so gray, but he is. He is pale, Um, but he doesn't look as dead anymore. Right. On his way back to the airport, he sees his friend and another group of zombies. Yeah. M tells R, the bonies are looking for you. They chased us all out of the airport and they're not happy with what you're doing. They're not happy that you are sort of bringing the rest of us back. Yeah. His friend tells him that R started something and now the zombies Uh are dreaming and they're changing and they're getting color in their skin. Uh Uh-huh. So because 
R has been eating Julie's boyfriend's brain, he knows a sneaky way into the settlement that avoids uh-huh. the wall. And so he goes through there and he sneaks into the settlement and no one notices him. Yeah, he's outside Julie's bedroom window. She goes out to the window and she's like, R, what are you doing here? And then she sneaks him into her bedroom. She brings him into her house. And can we just say that she lives in a freaking mansion? I wonder if everybody there lives in such lavish style or if it's just her because her daddy has money. Because her dad is the general. But I'm just thinking like a mansion in the apocalypse? In this economy? In this economy? It's like an apocalypse and a pandemic at the same time. Yeah. Girl, listen, if my dad was the leader, is he really going to make me go out and go do things? Because if not, I'm not going. Yeah, that's kind of a little bit of a plot hole, right? It's like, if you're the general... Are you really going to send your teenage daughter out? Well, see, I don't know. I read a book once. It's called Second Born. And all the second borns, no matter who your parents were, were like given to the government for military purposes. And so I feel like if he didn't make her go, they would be like, oh, so she's a Nepo baby. (laughs) That's the worst thing you can be in the apocalypse. Well, honestly, it is. Eat the Nepo babies. So back in Julie's room, R tells her that he basically came there to show her that he's changing, that he can change. Mm -hmm. Even Julie's friend, her best friend is there and she sees him and she's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. And she's like, "Okay, not a total zombie. Like, (laughs) I see he has potential. He has potential, which is every woman's last words. Right. Like, that's all. Like, Uh We just need a little bit of potential, a little bit of trauma. And we're in. You know what? Even when your friend's like, you know what, girl, I think you could fix him. Like, (laughs) I know that's so bad. I mean, listen, it's an apocalypse. The dating pool is really drying up with all these guys kind of dropping dead. So like we said, the bar is six feet under. Exactly. And you know who's not six feet under? R. Yeah, he's there and he he likes you. Like, that's enough. He has exceeded the bar. Yeah. So Julie is on board with believing that R is, you know, changing. She can see it. You know, she can see mm-hmm. how he's getting color to his skin and all this stuff. But she knows that there's no way that her dad is going to believe her or him. Yeah. Um. So R is kind of like, OK, I need you to stop sweating my dick for just a sec because we have an actual problem. <laughs> And he tells her that the bonies are coming to try to overthrow the human compound. The bonies are coming for the humans and that he has a whole bunch of zombie friends that want to help defeat the bonies. Um, But they kind of need the humans cooperation because what they can't have is the humans busting in and, you know, double shotting the zombies. Right. When they're just trying to help. Right. So Julie and her friend, They end up putting makeup on R to kind of make him look a little more alive, you know, so he doesn't draw so much attention to himself. And they sneak him into the military part of the compound to see her dad. One of the soldiers stops R and Julie and was like, hey, you can't talk to your dad. He is, you know, something top secret. (laughs) And she's like, well, we have our own top secret shit. So I'm going anyways. And then nobody like stops her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
obviously the humans are preparing for something. They're getting reports mm-hmm. that the corpses and the skeletons are coming their way. And so they're preparing for war. Um, uh-huh. When Julie finds her dad, she tries to tell her like, hey, the dead are coming back. And he's like, listen to me, little girl. I don't have time for this nonsense. There's a war happening. If you see a zombie, you kill it. She's like, okay, I don't think you heard me. Okay. <laughs> She's like, look at this. This is a zombie and he's coming back. Do you see? Do you see these rosy cheeks? <laughs> The dad is like, oh, God fucking damn it. Dad pulls a gun on R and is like, baby girl, I'm sorry. I have to kill your boyfriend, like your second boyfriend in the past like two months. I don't want to judge or anything, but (laughs) he's like, this guy ate your boyfriend. Yeah. Like the zombies got your mom. But she's like, but daddy, I love him. And he's like, oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. So the dad is getting ready to shoot R, but Julie's friend pulls a gun out on dad and kind of tells him, like, don't shoot. Yeah, and dad's like, Nora, you're not going to shoot me. And she's like, yes, I will. I really, really will. <laughs> I don't think she will. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. So R and Julie run off to the subway and a whole bunch of zombies are waiting there. And they're like, hey, um, the bonies are bonies are coming. Right. The skeleton zombies, the bonies, they just come Uh crashing in through the glass ceiling and the zombies start fighting the bonies. And so when the military shows up with all their gear and crap, they're so confused. They actually radio over to the general like, uh, what do we do here? Yeah, the zombies are fighting the bonies. Who do we shoot? Who do we shoot? Yeah. (laughs) And a whole bunch of calls from different sectors, different groups. Um, that have been sent out to fight are radio back to the general like hey zombies are fighting bonies do we kill them all general is like okay kill just the bonies right you know like let the zombies help that's a good strategy good good thinking on your toes yeah well r and julie take off running and then they get cornered by this pack of bonies yeah this is the weirdest part for me because they get chased to a door that just leads to the edge of the building. Like there's nothing there. And this building is what, like 10 stories in the air? Yeah, like what was supposed to be there? <laughs> like, I'm sorry, this is an OSHA violation. Yes. I know it's the apocalypse, but safety is important. Wherever that board is that says zero days since our last incident, like we need to just go it. ahead. Yeah, today was our last incident, and yeah. today will stay our last incident for until further notice. I don't know what was supposed to be there. Yeah, it was just no follow up questions. I don't know why this door leads to literally air and the side of the building. But luckily, there is a fountain down there on the ground. And so what R does is he wraps his arms around Julie and then he drops backwards so that when they land into the fountain, his head is the one that kind of hits the ground. First of all, they did an episode of Mythbusters where they see like if water would actually save you or when water would like break your legs and stuff like that. Listen, they both would have splatted on the bottom because that was like freaking like two feet of water. Mm -hmm. They would have both died. Straight up died. Yeah, I think the biggest concern is why that door led to nothing. I would I would question that before I would question the physics of the water saving technique. Because also, um, there are zombies in this movie. So like we we have to suspend our disbelief somewhere. So R saves Julie in this fall. Mm-hmm. And but then he's still at the bottom of the fountain and she goes down and she pulls him up and he just kind of, you know, writes himself. 
He looks completely human at this point. He has all the color on his face. Yes. He has all the color on his face. Those weird veiny scar marks are gone. Mm -hmm. They kiss and dude, this isn't a little peck. This is a kiss. Right. They're in the fountain all wet and stuff. Probably not the time. (laughs) <laughs> but like okay <laughs> yeah 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 uh here comes daddy uh and of course he sees a zombie kissing his daughter and he is pissed and he just shoots r uh luckily he doesn't shoot him in the head he shoots him in the shoulder and when r and julie look over they see her dad and a whole group of military guys just aiming guns at them yeah and dad says you know step away from my daughter or the next one goes in your head Again, she's like, but daddy, I love him. No, she, <laughs> she's refusing to move. Yeah. It's like that part in Pocahontas where she throws herself over right. John Smith. Right. And she's like, daddy, I love him. Yes. Julie is pleading with her father. She's like, he is changing. He's, he's, he's curing himself. And the dad is not believing it until Julie says he's bleeding yeah, she's like, zombies don't bleed. That is what convinces the dad. When the dad sees that this zombie is now bleeding, he now believes that they are changing. And so he he just radios in to, I guess, his troops. And he's like, things have changed. And then he doesn't say anything else that we hear. And I just feel like if you're going to say things have changed, you better follow up very quickly with what has changed because your guys are out there. This is an apocalypse, sir. (laughs) Sir, no pauses in between directions because your guys are out there fighting, okay? So the humans and the zombies join forces and kill all the bonies that they can find. The bonies that they can't find end up just sort of like wasting away because there's nothing to eat. Right. And now the zombies that are slowly coming back to life Uh are being accepted into the human compound. Girl, do you not think there would have been some sort of uproar from the people to like overthrow the general and get a new leader? Because I just don't see people accepting zombies like, oh, they're getting better. Yes. Come come to our parks where our children play. People can't even accept people of differing skin colors or religions. So like, (laughs) this is the most unbelievable part of the whole movie. Yeah. And also when you think about the fact that in an apocalypse, the people who have survived Uh are probably the worst people. They're probably the most violent. They're probably the most vicious. They're probably that person that pushed their friend down the stairs towards the zombie so he can get away. Like people who survived the zombie apocalypse, they're not the best of us. Uh, so we want to die? I'm just saying, if you survive a zombie apocalypse, shame on you. You're a bad person. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm alive. But I'm alive. (laughs) I think I would survive the initial outbreak of a zombie apocalypse. I'm not sure I would survive long term. Yeah, that's what I mean. That long term survival requires some like really shady stuff. But Mm -hmm. in any case, this is the best ending to a zombie movie that I've ever seen. Yeah, the the zombies, we see M, whose name is actually Marcus. He's like hitting on this girl at a park. And we see little zombie children playing, the ones we saw earlier. You know, we see them playing and it's refreshing that nobody had to shoot the children. Um, <laughs> yes. What? Like, it's, it's super refreshing. That's the, that's the accurate term. <laughs> <laughs> 
But also we get this cute little scene of Julian R. And she's like, do you still not remember your name? And he's like, no. And she asks, she's like, well, give yourself a new one. You know, anything you want. And he's like, I like R. He says, no, I'll just stick with R. And I don't know. So he's the epitome of this traumatized guy that she brought back to life with her love. Like, if this is not the worst example (laughs) for the hopeless romantics, I don't know what is. She believed she could, so she did. <laughs> she believed okay. she could, so she did. Oh my she God. believed she could fix him, and then she did. But also, ladies, Julie is the exception, not the rule. Right. The rest yes. of us are the rule. Yes. Do not try to save him if he's, you know, so far gone that he's eating brains. Just walk away, girl. Walk away. And I mean, Julie just sped right past the fact that um, he did, in fact murder her boyfriend well that's the thing when you are into a guy you will make excuses like oh well you know he was drunk like oh he you know he had a bad day that's why he ate my boyfriend's brains like he's not normally like that okay well he was a zombie he he didn't do it the zombie right parasite did it a hundred percent Before we wrap this up I just want to say that if there's ever an apocalypse I want to go with the first wave like I don't want to have to struggle to survive and fight zombies and like for what it just seems like such a miserable experience i want to go once the lexapro runs out (laughs) okay listen i get a 90 day supply if we're at the beginning of that 90 day supply yeah then i'm probably good for about three months right Um, you know i could probably half the dosage and make it six months right um but after that yeah you know i'm like six months tops and then i'm i'm outie Yeah, I just see these people in the apocalypse movies trying so hard to survive. And it's like, what are you surviving for? The world is gone. You're the last human settlement. This is terrible. Just go out there and live your best zombie life. Like, it's okay. Right? I wonder what would happen if we gave these zombies Lexapro. Would it help? (laughs) Just, you know what? Just pump someone up with like all the bottles of Lexapro and then send them out for the zombies to eat. And then they're like, wait a minute. I I actually feel better now. Wait a minute. There was once joy in life. (laughs) I do kind of remember that. My brain is not being a little Pac-Man eating all my serotonin. Right. You know, that's such a good metaphor. Yeah, like that's that's what Lexapro does. Um, it's a select serotonin rebuke inhibitor, mm-hmm. um, which keeps your brain from like basically eating the serotonin and yeah. blocks those little holes that the serotonin goes into. So your brain's like a little Pac-Man that eats all the little serotonin balls when really the serotonin balls need to be like shining like sunshine in your brain. Love it. Love it. Anyway, the teapot is empty for today. Don't worry. Lori's bringing it on the way. We'll be back later this week with a special episode. Yes, we will. We are going to recap our Eras Tour experience in Cincinnati. It was amazing. It was amazing. And we can't wait to tell you guys about it. So excited. Okay, see you next time. Bye.